All right, gang, it's that time of the week. I know you have been excited about this because Tuesday is not Monday, and it also means time for the True Wealth Radio Show. I am your host, David Littlejohn from Littlejohn Financial Services, only slightly narcissistically named. I was going to say, I think that's the first time you've ever mentioned our firm name in the opening. Yep. (laughs) Well, the truth of the matter is, we had listeners that scolded me for this. They said, you know, on the podcast, you never mention the name of the firm. How do we remember who to tell what else? Really? Like Little John doesn't get it done? No. But- and, and the hard part is you got you to gotta be careful about it because everybody, every once in a while somebody says Little John's and then it becomes Papa John's and then all of a sudden we're in pizza and not financial anymore. So we got to be careful about that. If we got more pizza, I might let it slide. <laughs> So anyway, pizza's the solution, huh? Yeah, well, is that uh, your financial tip of the day? You can take my you can take my advice. Pizza's a good thing. <laughs> I said, well, pizza is not a solution. It's like a you know, it's a solid. But now, whatever. now I keep seeing pie charts just everywhere. Pie, pizza is a pie chart. Nailed it. Okay, <laughs> so you're uh, yes, and you've you've now heard it. So in studio, in fact. I don't know how we manage this. We may have the smallest studio today but for other reasons. Doesn't matter, right? But Katie's with me. Of course. Hello, everybody. Also in studio, our favorite attorney. Derek Simmons. Yeah, that's when I the, I point. That's the cue. Also <laughs> subbing in as both our engineer and occasionally the uh, gets the short end of the stick on a joke in, in, in studio. <laughs> Kyle, you're still here. So, Barely. <laughs> it's like, well, he's not at the fair. So I was just thinking that if the market had more issues, that delivering pizza might be a necessary second income. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, want, want. Okay. It's, all right. So, we'll just, the elephant in the room, we'll just bring it up and, and we'll talk about it. And uh, they tell me that sometime within the next six years, people would be able to call in again where we could actually talk about it. Within the next six years. That's it's that long of a time horizon? Well, apparently once you go digital from analog, nobody knows how to work the new equipment they have. Like <laughs> one person in the studio knows how to work it, but we don't know how to make the phones so, inbound. So does the radio station need to hire like a 17-year-old to tech it up or what? I don't, I'm looking for nods from <laughs> Kyle. No, it's the wrong kind of nod. It's like, Aww. wait, how many fingers was that? Oh, wait. Uh, <laughs> Boo. <laughs> All right. All right. So anyway, uh, we will not be taking calls about it, but we are going to talk shop about the markets because it turns out we had the single worst day of the year yesterday. That's got to be like top 400 all time. You, I, and I have to give you credit. Am, am for I this. stealing your joke? No, 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 <laughs> no. I was not even going to bring it up, but it's funny because so Derek and I had breakfast this morning and I mentioned to him. It was the 390th worst day in stock market history. So, you know, comparatively, and this is, of course, adjusted for, in, you know, on a percentage basis. So it's not the worst number point day. It was percentage-wise. And it may feel like it happens all the time, but th- that includes the 20s, right? The 1920s? It, as far back as they were checking data, as far as I know. But the 390th worst day is not exactly something where you just write home because, oh, my gosh, catastrophe. It's better if it's not in the top 10, right? Like 390th is still in the hundreds. It's still kind of down. Yeah, I got to tell bit. you, if you get it, so the system has really been designed to, to avoid top 10 days. 
meaning it's much harder than it used to be to have those kinds of days. Uh, I think the worst day all time was probably October 1987. Uh, October 19th of, of 1987. I have an alibi, incidentally. Yes, good, good. Uh, I don't even remember it. Says the attorney, right? Well, that was known as, I think it was Black Monday. I think it happened on a Monday, but markets fell something approaching 25% that day. And what was the explanation then? I don't even know. This is back in the 80s. Uh, I know that they didn't... So markets looked very different. Back then, they didn't trade with pennies. They traded on eighths, right? So they used fractions rather than uh, using the current dollar system. And they didn't have the same kind of... I think they had computerized trading, but they didn't have the same system of stops that they have in place where the markets will actually use what they call curbs. So it will intentionally slow trades down to prevent computers from massive dump in the market. Right? So they can't just discard all shares that they own uh, systematically. They actually have requirements for how quickly they can trade when those curbs are put into effect. So it's harder to have catastrophic days than it used to be. Well, I was going to say back in the 80s, I mean, computers were just getting started, too. So the amount that we were using them for was limited. By comparison, yeah. I mean, this is kind of my bigger point with the markets at large. And it brings up something. Derek is really, it's kind of a fun thing to have you in studio today. Because one of the things that I don't think we talk about enough and we don't we don't talk about it in the landscape of how things operate now is that we live in a globalized marketplace right it's a 24 hour a day marketplace and it's a marketplace that is working around not only around the clock but around the globe so will you explain that a little bit because the new york stock exchange has hours absolutely right and i mean and it's set on um eastern standard time Correct. Right. And so, I mean, all of us, even out here. 9.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Right. Are the standard hours. There is no lunch break. They just go straight through. Well, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because, obviously, we're on the Pacific Coast, right? Correct. And so we're three hours behind. And 6.30 so, a.m. to 1 p.m. Right. So, I mean, in order for us to execute trades in our office, it has to be done before 1 o'clock. For the traditional exchange hours, yes. Okay, but you just said it was globalized in 24 hours. So will you enlighten our listeners about that? Because I don't think many people really understand that aspect of it. Well, first of all, let's not be too egocentric here. We're not the only markets. What? That can't be right. I know, right? I, I mean, if you are in Korea, they have their Korean stock exchange. If you are in Singapore, there's a Singapore stock exchange. If you're in China, there's the China stock and exchange. And I really enjoy hearing about the footsie. The footsie, yes. The footsie. <laughs> so, Wait, who's playing footsies? What yeah, are we doing? The footsie is down. Yes. It's, it's another market index, the footsie. And um, the, the, the point is that you know Australia. There's you know, the, the, all these places have their own markets. They also have their own currencies in most cases, so they are traded in their own currency. If you, for example, so Katie, you want to go buy a stock in China, how do you do it? I have no idea. How do I do it? You call us at Little John Financial. No, I'm kidding. Ah, oh, there right, you so, go. No, but I mean, so that that was going to be my next question. Being in the United States and having my money in American currency. Um, how would I go about buying something on the Chinese stock exchange? So you can set up an account at a Chinese institution 
and at least in theory, right, if they will let you, China's not particularly good about allowing foreigners to access their markets, right? But you could do that uh, in, in a number of environments, not necessarily China, but, you know, let's say Australia, for example. So you could set up an account there and then you could trade on their markets using their currency, okay? And then when you wanted money out, you'd have to sell it there and then repatriate your funds and bring them back. So I really have to pay attention to also the currency exchange value as well as what their market is doing. Well, that's one of the key elements in a globalized marketplace. And that's what makes this so interesting. Okay. I'm, I'm, you're, and thank you because you kind of uh, led down this pathway to what I think we should all consider. And it should have gotten quite a bit easier once you can just use spreadsheets that automatically plug in numbers and know what today's value in a Chinese market is in U.S. dollars. But it's not instantaneous. So it's it's not, and also currencies float in real time. And particularly when we're talking about China today, when they devalued their currency, that changes all sorts of stuff. Exactly. Screws up the spreadsheet entirely. Exactly. So it's another variable, and one of the things that people don't often uh, realize is that there can be tremendous leverage in the currency market. So very small moves can translate to very big currency figures when you get exchanges because oftentimes you're using borrowed money to then go and and trade in currencies so uh, you know and if you're buying currency futures for example heavily leveraged contracts so talking about this global marketplace though there's another thing that you could do you could use US US dollars to buy foreign instruments through what's known as an ADR American depository receipt now, when you say foreign instruments, what exactly are you I mean like to? a foreign company. Let's say you wanted to go buy, uh, I forget what it's called, but the company that makes Airbus. Okay, It's a French company. France, France is uh, Airbus. That's, so if you wanted to buy stock in Airbus, uh, uh, you know, or here's a great one. For many of you, if you're not iPhone users, there's a good chance you're a Samsung phone user. Samsung's a, a Korean company, South Korea. If you want to invest in Samsung, you can't buy that on the U.S. stock exchange. It's on a Korean stock exchange. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, so either you have to access it through their exchange or you have to buy it through some form of depository, American depository receipt, which has a different level of tax complexity involved, right? Because now you've got currency exchange and you've got other elements going on there. Uh, and so oftentimes you're not getting 1099s, you're getting what's known as a K-1. It's just uh, And, and the, why do you care about this? Well, you, mostly because K-1s don't come at the same time as a 1099. you got to wait on them and wait on them and wait on them. Well, wait a minute. I think the reason we care about this in the in the global sense is that the markets got hammered yesterday and has something to do with global well, trade. We do. Yeah, all of this is accurate. So how does it all fit together? Well, if you think about the fact that we trade in foreign markets, but we have to use their currency, there's point number one, right? If we think about the fact that we manufacture in foreign markets and then import the goods back to us, like, for example, Apple, your iPhone is engineered in Cupertino and then built in China. Okay, so what does this mean and how does this tie into yesterday's market calamity? And are we paying for it like two or three times through currency exchange and other markets? Now David has a puzzled look. I might have to explain that one a little bit more. Yeah, we'll let you. <laughs> but we're going to do it after the break. So, 
said music. Stick around. If you want to know uh, whether or not this trade war really should concern you and what it means for the markets, we're going to cover that and more good stuff when we come back. Until then, this is David Littlejohn. And Katie Shook. And Derek Simmons. And you're listening to the True Wealth on News Radio 1240, KQEN. Welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. I'm your host, Dave Littlejohn, and we are talking shop today. Uh, unless you uh, are blissfully unaware, uh, markets had a pretty rough, it was rough last week, but a pretty rough day yesterday. In the grand scheme, not terrible, but in the scheme of this year, it was the worst day in the stock market of 2019. Now, uh, Dave, the question uh, I've been asking, though, is this yeah. your fault? Because typically, you know, we blame you. So here's the thing. Normally this happens when I go on vacation and I'm not on vacation. So I, it's hard so for me to take direct responsibility. Yeah, as best I could tell. In fact, I seem to recall one of my attorneys telling me, I thought maybe you were on vacation, but then you weren't. So I can't explain it. That does sound <laughs> like wisdom. <laughs> this running joke, right? Since the beginning of time in my career, uh, Two things happen when I when I travel. It seems like number one, stock market has trouble, and then number two, some kind of natural disaster follows me. Oh, hurricanes! Hurricanes love David. Yeah, specifically hurricanes. I go somewhere, and up oh, then a hurricane is materialized right, right like, there. I mean, Florida and Hawaii. Like, could we pick opposite sides? Yeah, and Carolinas. Um, and the Carolinas. Um, yeah. But yeah, usually hurricanes for some reason. Almost, uh, almost in Mexico. Right. That was on our honeymoon, like a week later, hurricane came through. Yeah. Anytime like, David says he wants to go on vacation, I'm like, okay, so all the documents are signed, right? Like everything's good to go in case of tragedy strikes. Exactly. We have a very solid secession plan in place and everybody's notified of next of kin and so forth. So very good. <laughs> oh, boo. <laughs> uh, all right. So global markets here. Derek, pop quiz. Um, a. Wait, no, sorry. Correct. Okay, Katie, now you're... No, uh, D, all the above. All right. Uh, sure, also correct. All right, we're really doing well here. <laughs> so when you're, when you're thinking about the global marketplace, uh, who... So tariffs, okay? Right. New thing. So we know recently the, the announcement of what seemed to set the market off was a, a tweet by Donald Trump that says, uh, hey, we're going to put an additional set of tariffs on 300 million dollar or 300 billion of additional chinese imports and these were rumored to be more directly consumer goods as opposed to manufacturing goods right so the first the trick question of good idea bad idea there's never a simple answer to that question oh, okay good attorney answer well played so Give me a sense of what do you think are some of the consequences of what's going on? Here? Okay, so there's there's short term and in the short term it uh, makes everybody nervous. Sure. And so people don't know what's going to happen and so they pull back. In the intermediate term, prices are expected to rise because there's a tariff. You know, we the consumer pay the tariff to the United States government on goods that are bought that originated in China, for example. Right. So prices are going to rise. Yes. Um, and then in the long term, the hope is that China goes, oh, my gosh, we're not selling as much stuff because the U.S. is charging this tax. We're going to change our behavior, and, uh, and, and then it'll be good for everybody. But for the time being, it's just going to be painful for everybody. Which means anytime you want a new iPhone, it's now going to be hundreds of dollars more than it already is. Possibly. So 
there are a number of things going on here, and I think that you're really that was very well put. I like the way you broke that time frame down as well. There's short term, intermediate term, and longer term consequences to this. Uh, those time frames are a little bit arbitrary, but nevertheless, I think that was pretty clear. Uh, I think there are a couple other things that we ought to discuss that people think about as consumers, but we maybe not are aware that we do it. There's a term in economics that occurs when price changes. And so what happens is if you have an increase in the price of something, it's going to affect not the supply side but the of demand. the demand. The demand side. will drop as the price goes up. And demand up. will drop. So when demand drops, one of the things that happens is something called substitution. Okay? And this is this is what I think is interesting. Now, I realize that you know you can't talk politics today without getting somebody's feathers ruffled. Uh, and yet it's hard to avoid on this one because there are some political ramifications to the decision. The idea is there's multiple motivations, I think, to what's going on behind this tariff or trade war. And one of them is if you want if we were in a global marketplace now, right? So I'm going to tie this all together because I think people, I want folks to think about the big picture. I'm not going to try to draw a conclusion of whether it's right, wrong, or otherwise. That's not it. I want you to draw a, a number of connections here. Why would, why would a company manufacture in China? Because it's cheaper. Even after you include the costs of transportation, labor is so much less expensive that it makes sense. Aha. Right? Labor. Now, this one is a really sensitive issue in the modern day debate because I think labor gets divvied up one of two ways. There's a very real human aspect to labor. Like these are people that are going out and performing uh, in the workplace. So it's there's a personal side to this, but it's also a very clinical academic or accountant style input as well. It's an, a cost of doing business. Now I realize somewhere out there is an entrepreneur coaching group that will listen to this and climb the curtains, right? Because they will say, labor's an investment, it's not a cost, okay? But it's both, but, it's both. But it is from a, from a purely clinical sense, it's an input variable, it is a cost of doing business because you have to pay for it. Even if it's an investment, right? You know, infrastructure, all of that's still, a, it's a capital outlay. So if we call it that, and you can substitute in China instead of here, and it's cheaper to do so, and you can get away with it, then people do it. So examples of businesses that do this, Apple is a good one, right? They manufacture in China, many do. Isn't there, like, doesn't Nike do some manufacturing overseas? Oh yeah, not necessarily China, but all of, I think in China too, but they've, uh, I think Nike has a lot of plants in uh, like Vietnam and that area. But nevertheless, manufacturing companies are the ones that often you leverage this disparity in labor cost. Now you hear about outsourcing um, services as well. You remember that guy, J.J. Abrams, that wrote the, not J.J. Abrams. Anyway, guy that wrote the book about how he outsourced his life. And he went and hired a personal assistant from Hong Kong who then ordered flowers for his wife and that sort of thing. I have not read this and now I want to. I'll look it up to see who I it was. I want you to yeah. explain a little more. Yeah, how, how did it go? Did it work? Yeah. It went reasonably well. You know, some of this stuff he would do by email. And so he'd send him an email at night and they'd send him stuff in the morning. And, you know, they'd give him a summary of everything that he had coming and he, they would interface with people. But, of course, there's some slippage. 
some of this stuff you want to do yourself because you want to make sure it's perfect. And uh, sometimes there's something lost in the translation. So this is what I think is really kind of interesting. Now, I will give you an example of attempted outsourcing that drives some people bananas. IT support. <laughs> okay. As I'm laughing. Okay. How, how have you ever... Or customer I mean, service. Yeah. When, you, when you call a customer service line and you get somebody that you cannot understand because their primary language and your primary language are not the same. Right. right. And I'm not picking on any cultures or anything like that, but it's, I mean, it's just as a language barrier where you can't communicate. That service breaks down. And so here's the point that I'm really getting toward is that not all labor can be outsourced, which means that the labor that can't be outsourced then ends up sticking around domestically. And then we have a different political animal at play here, which is we want to institute things like the equivalent of pricing controls, government imposed cost structure for labor. And so we say it must be, there's a minimum wage standard, okay? Now, again, I'm not taking the position of whether it's good or bad, but I'm suggesting think about what this means now if you are fixing an input cost in one area of the world but not another. Right. So this does, I mean, this includes like living wage and a couple other things that have been going well, on. Well, you know, living wage is kind of a political <laughs> construct for how how you would make the case for making a minimum wage a certain level. We just know that it creates tension. It Correct. does because you've you've applied pressure in one place on the bottom you haven't applied anywhere else. Right. And so what, what happens is the cost of services tend to, to climb while the cost of manufactured goods don't necessarily climb. And so then you get a bunch of... Now, we, we talk about the loss of manufacturing jobs in the United States, and I would say this is one of the primary drivers is that the disproportionate labor cost and the ability to outsource labor overseas incentivizes companies to do this. One of the concepts behind tariffs is to disincentivize manufacturers from locating labor elsewhere, right? So interesting. So okay. it's it, this is just a concept, an economic theory that I don't know that people often think about in the way these things occur. So it's it's you know you kind of you pick your your favorite side and say, well, I'm going to defend this position because it's just what I'm going to defend, and then the other side goes, well, what about this? And they go, well, I don't want to hear it. It's just this. Well, I, clearly there is some complexity to the formula. Right. And right? it's not, I mean, we're talking about bottom doll, like bottom line dollars here, but it's not always about that either. I mean, we're talking culture, we're talking performance. You know, I mean, if you outsourced it somewhere else and they weren't doing a quality job, that could decrease your brand value as well. So there's other things involved in that too. Well, yeah, certainly what can you substitute? There are business decisions made all the time. Right uh, around exactly this. I mean, I could say right now, and I, I I already know the answer before I ever asked. Said, Derek, is there a single person in your office that gets paid minimum wage here in Roseburg? Everybody in my office gets paid at least minimum wage. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken like an attorney, right? And and the reality is that uh, no, I mean his the the personnel is they do a more valuable no, job than that. They're specially trained, and it would cost me a fortune to bring in somebody else to do this work. And the ones that I have in my office in, in Roseburg are spectacular right. and irreplaceable. Exactly. See? and Hold on. I, aw, yeah. little shout out to Watkinson Lear. Good, Good job. job, team. And so, and I, to which 
the same scenario is true for our team. There's, there's nobody is a, a minimum wage person on our team. So, you know, earlier when you were talking about outsourcing, the one CEO that outsourced things, I would say that um, you're right. There are some things that are highly personal or customizable, right? Like you have to kind of really know that per person, especially like gift buying, right? Right. You have to really know that person and what they would normally buy in order to be a good gift buyer. And that's the example. Actually, it was A.J. Jacobs, and it was an essay he wrote. Okay. And his name escaped, the, the name of the magazine he wrote for was like New York or Esquire or the New Yorker or Esquire or something like this. But that's part of what he ran into was he could answer some general questions about what they like, but the more time, the more specific he wanted it to be, the more time he had to invest in teaching them exactly what it was he would buy himself anyway. Right. So this is a total side note about something I had this uh, kooky idea that I think I may actually need to put into real life. And it's something that I call the entrepreneur's calculator. Explain. So the entrepreneur's wait, calculator. Wait, wait. But before you tell us what's cool, shouldn't we take a break? Because that's what you usually do right when you get to something really cool. Well, we got to let Kyle walk oh, in Oh, sorry. The door. Yeah, carry on. Yeah. You're on. Right. You, I need the music. Right now, Kyle, we got this incredible <laughs> time for a break. And so we'll come it's back. Fair week. We'll talk about the entrepreneur's calculator and really what it means is off offline now. We can totally make this up and then we'll tell you what it is when we get back. Stick around. This is Dave Littlejohn. Katie Shook. And Derek Simmons. You're listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240, KQEN. Yeah, take that. That's what I'm saying. All right, welcome back to the True Wealth Show. Uh, in studio with me today, Mr. Derek Simmons. Almost exactly on cue. And Mrs. <laughs> Katie Shook. Uh, As I'm trying to laugh and breathe at the same time, it's really hard to do. Yes, the, well, that's why people snort sometimes. So, oh, I, you yeah. get me laughing, I will totally snort. I admit I've, it. I've seen it done. It's yeah. true. Heard it. So, yeah. You can't, really, you can't really see somebody snort, can you? Oh, yeah. You can totally see it. Yeah. You can tell when they snort? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a catastrophe as well. <laughs> it's quite like the markets yesterday. Uh, so... Here we are, and, and we go into the break. Uh, thank you, by the way, Kyle, for making that materialize. I think the next one, it'll be in about 11, 12 minutes. Cool? Nailed, nailed it, right? So what is the entrepreneur's calculator? And why does this matter? Okay. And th this is an example uh, that I want to do because it's relevant when you consider how things, uh, substitutions in, in labor. Okay. So when a business decides to move labor offshore, there's a reason for it. It's typically price-driven. Okay, When you introduce tariffs, it changes the pricing model. This, by the way, is the exact reason the markets are having a problem. If you change the pricing model and all the assumptions that have gone into it, you destabilize all the formulas that people are trying to make assumptive judgments of value in the market. And unstable formulas, those are the things that blow up, aren't they? They could, right? Well, they did in high school, little, but little chemistry reference there. I was pretty yes, pleased exactly. with myself. Yes, exactly. Unstable. So, so you know, so you've got the noble gases on the one end, and then you've got the inert ignoble. Yeah, sure. So, uh, but you know, you've got your whole volatile column there on the table. Don't don't take the potassium out of the water, right? That'll ignite. Uh, you just went full on nerd right there. Can we uh, bring it back to uh... his eyes? Got all bright as he did it too. That was kind of fun. <laughs> oh yeah. So. And if you ever want to nerd out, you just have to stop by our office and book time with David. 
So I like nerdy stuff. It's fine. It's totally normal. You know, I think people really want a nerdy financial advisor, though. Like, I don't know that they want the cool one. They want, like, the... You can be cool and nerdy, though, but they want the nerdy oh, guy. Oh, yeah, I missed the You're cool. You're just kissing up I, Yeah, I missed the cool <laughs> bus long ago. So uh, you can ask Derek's kids. I am not cool, but I do breathe fire. Uh, so here's... Back to the entrepreneur's calculator and why we care about this. So if the markets have been destabilized, here's the thing, right? Trump throws a tweet out there and you know if I'm just going to call it like I see it for a minute and it's going to be slightly off color here. Um, this pissing match with China isn't going to end for a while. And it's it's very simple from my perspective. It's something along these lines. China is trying to make a decision about how much pain can they endure and can they get to the next election cycle. And Trump is saying... Or should I make it so bad that you will play ball before the election cycle? And then the other thing that China's looking at is, well, if if Trump squeezes us really hard but doesn't and gets reelected anyway, it's like he gets a free free reign to go crazy on us for four more years. So this is a really dangerous game, and he is not playing like any politician that they have experienced, arguably in the last. 25 years sounds like a bad game of chicken it's like everybody's waiting to see who's going to pull out first oh it's not even chicken at this point they're straight up slugging right trump says fine tariffs china goes fine we'll devalue our currency i mean they're everybody's cutting off their nose to spite their face because the reality is tariffs do represent economic headwinds that could push our economy into a recession it could happen. The Federal Reserve is cutting rates. And we are paying the tariffs. We, the American public, well, we're are paying, paying the Well, we're either going to pay it in the price of higher goods from China or we will substitute to higher goods because the cost of labor in the United States because of the way we handle labor laws and environmental laws and all the other elements that go into it is higher. You know, don't, don't get me wrong. United States labor is fantastic. We have some of the most productive labor force and the most talented labor force on the globe. So I'm not, I'm not, but we pay for it too, but it costs, right? It costs. And so we just have to know that this is, we're changing the economic assumptions. Now, the other thing is, let's say Trump doesn't get reelected entirely new way engagement process with China. And the whole thing goes haywire again. Let's say China acquiesces. That's kind of a wild card at that point. Like, I mean, people, I mean, we've been talking about Trump getting elected, but yeah, if he doesn't get elected, who knows what the next guy or girl is going to do, right? I mean, they could travel down Trump's path and continue it, or they could just totally pull the plug and do something different. And likely there will be some kind of unwind because there are, you know, the the regimes by and large have been either we have uh, kind of an America first agenda where we're going to negotiate to get the best negotiating position, period. And and if you notice, and some of you know, this is just side note stuff, but like Trump kind of goes one on one. He doesn't do a lot of multilateral negotiation with lots of countries. It's like, fine, let's strip one out and work with you. We'll get what we want. Now we'll go to the next one. And we'll get. I mean, let's break NAFTA and then we'll go talk to Mexico and Canada independently. <laughs> I mean, that's what he did, right? Uh, climate accord. Yeah, screw that. Let's just ditch that thing. We're going to do something else. I'm not making a comment of whether it was good or bad. I'm just saying, look at the behavior. And a new regime may act very different. The prior administration, the Obama administration, was all about multilateral agreements, bringing lots of people to the table and seeking diplomatic solutions. That is not what we have seen with the Trump administration. Again, I'm not saying good or bad. I'm just saying is what it is.
Well, and people are betting on what's going to happen. I mean, no different than the Brexit, right? Like there were people betting what was going to happen on the Brexit, and they were wrong. Yeah, darn tootin'. Well, they they were wrong temporarily. They may yet be right. <laughs> Brexit has become its own kind of fiasco, but it didn't topple the markets like some people swore up and down it would. But it's not over either. That thing's been a really painful slow-motion train wreck. Right. Well, they haven't fully exited yet, have they? Or they're no. kind of, they've been like trying to figure out, you know, it, I mean, it's like someone went, party's over, and everybody went, great. Now there's this huge mess that they're trying to clean up. In essence... I think what they're doing right now is they're saying the party is about to, we have declared an end to the party and now let us assign jobs as far as cleaning it up. But he goes, not me, not me, not me. Exactly. Yeah. Everybody's jumping out the window. Cops are there staring at everybody and everybody's like, oh, no, it wasn't my beer. <laughs> That's We're close. reliving your childhood, aren't we? Yeah. Okay. Shh, shh. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> it was before social media. All right. So. Thank God for that one. <laughs> right. The last safe generation. Yeah. Uh, By the way, all I got to say is if you're going to do things stupid, please don't do not post them. them. Yeah, don't record them, one, and don't post them on social media. Yeah. I, I think even our attorneys would advise that. It's like it's probably best to not uh, amass evidence against yourself. Agreed. All right. Good talk. So back to the entrepreneur's calculator. So the concept behind this is I got to thinking, and, and again, Derek, you'll love this one. You know, we've talked about before how uh, when you bill by the hour, you almost feel like you're a taxi. Like, you know, you're kind of driving around saying, well, at what point should I be working or should I be doing something else? And what am I trading my time for? Yeah, and that does happen. Usually when I'm taking kids and I'm waiting in line with kids for something that they have to do, I'm going, what does this cost me? Right. But it, it, it winds up being worthwhile anyway, but. You, you well, ask a question occasionally. You do. And so uh, this is a reasonable thing, especially during your the hours that you declare that you are on duty, right? Uh, the challenge is an entrepreneur is oftentimes on duty 24 hours a day. Like, I mean, yeah. Even when, when are you ever off duty? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. So the, the calculator is something like this. Um, first, you need a few categories. One of them is do it yourself, delegate it, uh, outsource it, or ignore it so how would you consider delegating and outsourcing different usually it has to do with the whether or not you have a team member and so the idea is this tiered value of time and whether or not you can so so first let's think about as an entrepreneur you you, you know what you're what you're earning and so you can get a sense of what your hourly time is valued at currently I might but, I might phrase it this way there's do it build it or buy it and if it's a team member it's a build it and if it's an outsourcing, it's a buy it. I like it better. See, we've already refined this. This is why I like to have my attorney around. Checks in the mail, right? So if you've got do it, build it, buy it, then and 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 the others do it, but but delegate means team member. Uh, and ignore it is a viable option, right? In fact, it's one that you really need to be aware of. That's real. So if it's those four that you're going to deal with, then there's also t another variable you need to know: what you make now, but what you are intending to make okay so you have your value of time now but you also need to know where you're headed with this one because it will not always be the same answer and sometimes in order for you to grow into what you're trying to you also need to make some substitution decisions about where you are placing your time because if you're spending time doing the stuff at your current value then it's harder to get to the stuff that's more valuable because you're so busy doing the busy work that's keeping you from getting to the next level. 
This Follow happens me. a lot. This happens a lot. Early in my career, I was do it all the time. Right. And then as I've as I've progressed, I've gotten other people, and I'd prefer to build it so I can work on things that are more fun. Right. So and things that are more valuable organizationally. Well, isn't this the entrepreneur's curse, right? Like, do I hire the people to help me now, even though I may or may not be able to afford it, in order to get where I need to go? Or do I push harder and then hire the person after I need them? You know what you do? I know what the answer is. It's after you take a break. break. Exactly. Stick around. This is Dave Littlejohn. Katie Shook. And Derek Simmons. You got True Wealth on News Radio 1240. Take the So what I'm thinking I do, Derek, is I actually make a spreadsheet about this. Yes. Right? And you have on the one column, it's the, you know, here's what the hourly value is. And then here's my desired hourly value. And so that's just the, what you should look at is, oh, I know I, this is what I'm outsourcing now, but this is what I sh- want to get to. So what's it going to, I have to always remember in the back of my mind, this is what it's going to take, right? And then you think about what are the team members and sort of their, uh, I mean, I'll call it value, but you know, that's which, when you hire somebody, if there's a cost for that. And then the last one is, whether or not to, you know, don't do it at all, which then you have to decide, was it worth it? That's always a funny thing. But if you want to get it done, can you, can you outsource it to China? Like we've actually, we have outsourced some stuff to, I don't know where, probably. All around the world, actually. Yeah. I mean, actually we have, we've had subcontractors all around the world for. For marketing and design. Yeah. Graphic design works. You've got, you've got butterflies causing hurricanes in. (laughs) Hawaii, wherever I go. Yes. Uh, and uh, honestly, we have great experiences with it. We've had some really good, affordable interactions with folks uh, that uh, sort of this virtual outdoor stuff. It's been just for episodic work. It's not real consistent and it's pretty specific to their specialty. But there's but I want to comment on that for a minute. So there, there is a, a, a website that we use to outsource some of the marketing stuff. There's still some time spent on trying to dial in who you think you want to work with yeah. because there's still a sea of people and they all have different talents right so you yeah. still have to kind of spend time although the time spent searching for the person is still far less especially on my part than the amount of time i would have spent trying to do the job that i was outsourcing in the first place plus i feel like i get a better result because things may not always be in your wheelhouse like it's i mean well we don't have graphic designers on staff for example that's yeah, just, that's not why I was hired. It's not our sweet spot. <laughs> and so we, when we want to do something that involves something like that, we, we outsource it. But I want to say really quick on the outsourcing because it was really cool. David specifically wanted custom Hawaiian shirts for our annual client <laughs> this luau this year. And he's been asking for them for three years. And I, it's taken me that long to figure out exactly how to make it happen. But I actually had to outsource three different companies three different people to get this done because one had to create the design one had to print the fabric and then the third person had to build it so i had to outsource it three times but david actually has custom little john hawaiian shirts it's true and they're pretty epic i'm gonna say (laughs) uh i I feel like we should maybe start a swag shop on our (laughs) website so that if you are interested in getting this high quality the shameless commerce division yeah the shameless <laughs> commerce so this is one of those so if you really want little john financial swag then what you do is you send us an email okay info at littlejohnfs.com and uh then then what we'll do is we'll start getting this group of people that we know is just dying for us because i 
I I swore like the first thing is folks really want like the 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 socks with the the logoed socks that look like the pattern looks like carbon fiber but it's actually our logo. Those oh, want, be, like on our business cards. Yeah, those be, are pretty cool. Those would be super awesome. <laughs> Just because you got a pair of logoed socks from one of our companies and you were so impressed that they were socks. Well, no, you could do logoed anything, logoed neckties, but I, I think a shirt would be a little bit busy. Shirts I, I, are funny. I feel like people get giveaway shirts all the time. So I, I don't feel like there's as yeah. much value in a shirt as there used to be. I don't know. Well, anyway, so what you do is you email us and you let us know. If you if you want LJ swag, you know, we, we can hook this up. But we got to first know whether or not there's a market for it. So you got to hit us up on email at info at littlejohnfs.com. Or on Facebook. Just drop us a line. Or Facebook. I, I don't go on Facebook much anymore. I do. I Actually, so I go on Facebook to make fun of the people that call me and leave these ridiculous messages like my social security number is going to be canceled. No, I'm I like, thought it wasn't Oh, it. really? No, no, you were going to court or something, wasn't it? Oh, and my arrest was going to be activated for social security fraud. It's a good thing we have your uh, attorney here. And so I've gotten a number of these calls. In fact, this was another. I kind of did an online poll on this. I swear, we, you know, I should get permission from Kyle first, but we'd have to run like a three-second delay because I, what I want to do is actually call them on the show <laughs> and follow through the chain and just play along for a while and see what happens. And say, all right, so they're fishing. Well, I'll play, right? And, you know, I, I, I played this game one time with somebody on Craigslist that was trying to fish for bank accounts. And I almost got them to give me their account. They, were, they really went round and round. I mean, we went like dozens of emails. It wasn't like one or two. It was like I was like 35 deep in this chain of emails playing dumb. Wasn't this like four days? It was a lot of time. It took a long time. Then they got mad at me like, what are you doing? Do you want this thing or not? And I'm like, well, I mean, I do, but I can't do it the way you describe. But maybe, maybe we could do it this way. <laughs> they just And they kept coming back. Oh, OK, well, maybe we'll try that. So you could outsource that, but it wouldn't be as much fun. No, but I think it'd be interesting on the show to get them. The problem is once they're on to the gig, either they just hang up and it's a pretty short prank. Or they start swearing on the phone, and then we got to hit that button and bleep them out because <laughs> you can't do that live. That the SEC or no FCC, right? They they, they frown upon that. So uh, we can get away with some of it, but not that much. So where were we? Well, we were just calculating values and trying to figure out, you know, if you're if you're an entrepreneur, make sure you understand the value of your time. But that really, that equation is the very thing that has upset the entire marketplace, right? What's the value of your time? Oh, well, that's what the businesses said when they said, well, what's the value of labor? Let's buy it from China and then we'll bring it back. And then when China stopped playing ball, it upset the whole doggone apple cart. And, and whether it's China playing ball or Trump not playing ball or whatever you want to call it, right? Whatever triggered the trade war and that brought us to this point. And I'll tell you, not everybody's unhappy with it, right? That's the crazy thing. There are some business owners that are quite pleased that this trade war is going on, not necessarily because it's beneficial to them, but because, and I've said this on the show, it's been over a year now, the intellectual property treatment in China is a problem. And this, is, this trade war is as much about intellectual property and access to markets as it is about cost of goods or politics. You know, And so if you want to play on a global scale, you, you need to play by the same rules. And it can't be a in my opinion, you know, you can't have two sets of rules. It's like China has the rules they play by, and then the rest of the world plays by, by and large, more first world rules. If you think it has an easy solution, you probably don't understand the problem. Correct. And so 
there's your thing right there, right? So it's it's not just politics, and it's not because somebody's an idiot or a fascist or a Nazi or any. I mean, it's there's layers upon layers, and it's been going on for decades. And we're not going to get it solved that quick either, because it takes a long time to unravel decades of this. Not to mention the billions, if not trillions, of dollars in infrastructure that are invested by American companies on foreign soil to produce their goods to bring back to our consumer-driven economy. So there you go. The entrepreneur's calculator and the conundrum of international trade, currency exchange, and its effect on the markets. How about that? Did I tell you the answer to what happened in 1987? You did not. Okay, so 1987, what happened was we had five years of a bull market, and then we had increasing tension in the Middle East, and then we also had uh, an interest rate increase, and then which sounds very familiar because this all happened to us recently. But then there was a panic, and people started selling, and computers did not have the markets did not have the curbs that they had at that point, and everybody started selling. I remember like it was yesterday. Kyle almost jumped off his cubicle. It was that bad, or so he claims. <laughs> to which I say, Kyle, don't do it. There's so much to live for. Yeah, you might sprain an ankle. It's, I mean, it, it, it could have... You, you could tip over your coffee. <laughs> Aww. Now we're picking on Kyle. I yeah, say, he's, he's back in the studio. Come on, in 87, I was eight years old. I don't remember any of that. I was too was, busy playing. We're going to blame you for a lot of it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's normal. I'm used to it. So look, it goes like this. As we wind down the show... Uh, understand there's a lot going on globally in the marketplace uh, if you are wondering how well you are positioned then give us a call we're happy to help little john financial services at 541-375-0898 and for all of your legal needs you can start with derek at watkinson laird rubenstein 673-5528 all right so there you go gang uh, as always thanks for joining us derek and katie thank you as well thanks for uh, having us. we're out of time for the day so until next time Thanks for tuning in. This has been David Littlejohn, and you've been listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240, KQEN.